Welcome to the Y Hockey, periodically remembering that Barry Melrose is now going to be covering the Stanley Cup final on television. Podcast. I mean, Gary? he does it on Sports Center, but now he's going to be on Stanley Cup final coverage next year. So, I'm just hoping Gary Thorne comes back. No, I think you Gary- do not want to hope that Gary Thorne comes back. I, I can tell you as somebody who follows broadcasting closely, he just got let go by the Orioles. He's 73 years old in June. And can they started- do a computer generation of that voice then? Like mm. they would for- I mean, maybe Disney has the money to do that. I'm not sure. It's going to be Steve Levy, by the way. Um, just saying. Eh, I'll take it. It's better than Doc. Uh, you know, you're not the biggest Doc Emmerich fan in the world. I am a big Doc Emmerich fan, so I miss. I mean, him. it's just better than it's better than what the NBC voice is. Well, we will get to that because we are going to talk about the ESPN NHL deal and the fact that there is a lot to get to with that. And I, as your very low rent John Orand or Richard Deitch, will try to explain as much of it as I can. I do want to say something before we get underway with this show, uh, because you'll realize that my commitment to doing the show, which is every other week we do us. And then I tried to do uh, an interview show. I have not been able to do that. Life has gotten in the way. And as Tommy knows, and some of you might know, it has been a very, very not great start to 2021 for me. My grandmother had a bunch of health issues starting at the start of the year and passed away last week after multiple health issues of varying degrees of badness. And it has not been a fun week. And I will say that when you try to keep these things up and if, You've noticed that some of these shows might not have been at the best of quality. Now you kind of know why. There's been something on my mind that has kept my attention for a very long time, and I've tried to work through it. It's hard to do that, of course. And I will say that when you you have people like Tommy in your life, who is my co-host on this show, he's graciously allowed me to come on to the uh, Y Hockey family, and of course is my sparring partner on this show as well, but he's also a very good friend, and he has been very supportive in the last week or so as I've you know, we try to get through this with, with family, and I've tried to do everything I can to still, you know, cover the hockey that we love to cover the best ways that I can, all things considered. But if you're wondering why, some of the podcasts might not have been, you know, up to the standards I set for myself and why I haven't been able to do as many interview shows as I would have liked, there's your explanation. So I do want to say thank you again to Tommy for good support in these, these difficult times that I've been going through. Uh, it's not been a fun week. happened about a week ago after you listened to this. And I also do want to say thank you to Jeff Merrick, who I texted this to on, on Wednesday night when it happened. And, of course, he hosts Wednesday Night Hockey, and he got back to me almost immediately. So that's, that's a, a great sign that you've met good people is when you need them the most, they're there for you. So I do want to thank Tommy and anybody who else who has supported And now, this is the first time I publicly said what's going on. I've told this to people privately. Uh, so I appreciate the support from all those who have been supportive in these difficult times. And it's not still a fun time. It's still a lot of things to get to deal with and somebody who lived for as long as she did nearly 87 years old Uh, it's it's a tough loss but I'm going to honor her by doing the things that I always do which is being myself and grieving by being myself and talking about puck which I love to do and on that sentimental note let's talk about Mason Marchman I'm kidding we're not actually going to do that (laughs) is is there anything more why hockey than being very sentimental and then making a joke that is extremely on brand for us no no that's about it (laughs) Well, we're happy to have you here. Thank you, Tommy, for being as supportive as you've been, and thanks to everybody else who has been supportive in these times. There have been some great people who have been very, very helpful when uh, you needed it the most because you never know how you're going to deal with grief, and I'm not somebody who normally is super emotional, except if I'm yelling about, you know, Panthers things I don't like or Maryland things that I don't like, particularly the last two games. But I do want to say again thank you for everybody who has supported and 
who has been there. And again, I apologize if these podcasts weren't necessarily up to the standards that I would like for the last two months, but now you kind of know why. So let's go do the things that we normally do because over sentimentality and pathos is not normally why hockey standards, but we will, uh, we will work through them as we always do. And uh, as much as I want to spend a lot of time talking about Mason Marchman, let's not do that because then we'll get in trouble. So let's focus on the most notable thing for the Panthers last couple of weeks is they're basically halfway through the season. And the most notable thing, Tommy, and we saw it again as we were recording this Wednesday last night, uh, Sergei Bobrovsky's figured something out. Something clicked. And uh, that's bad news for the rest of the division because the Panthers were pretty good even when Sergei Bobrovsky was working through whatever he was working through. He started to figure it out, and uh, I said before the start of the season, the way the Panthers make the playoffs is Bobrovsky going on a heater. And it's not like he's even gone on a heater yet, and now he's starting to figure it out as the Panthers are going through a little rough patch of form when they're not playing quite their best, and they're still 16-5-4. and four. That, that might be troubling for, the, for Carolina and Tampa, which is that the Panthers haven't even gotten to play with the best of Bobrovsky yet, and they're still this way through the season with that record that's one thing for sure that we're even looking up at tampa and carolina and and that's where our sights are set but uh yeah you're you're exactly correct he's starting to figure it out and you're hoping the pacing is right the timing's right that he's going to peak and be at his best where he's not just starting to figure it out but he's uh, leveraging what he's already figured out and, and playing, maximizing his skill and playing to his best without giving up those um, exhaustion goals, those, those weak goals that can come that he's, you know, has been prone to giving up. I think a good um, comparison is just the first game that they played in Columbus where the only goals he gave up were really bad ones or pretty bad ones. And then you watch the game last night where Columbus had a bunch of good chances and the two goals that they gave up were ones Bobrovsky had no chance on. And in that game, he made a bunch of 10-bell great quality saves. And that was starting before. In the Nashville games, he was good. Uh, the first game was a complete defensive horror show. And he still ended up saving basically around the expected goals total the Panthers gave up. And before that, he was very good against Dallas, too. So he's starting to figure it out. And that is a very positive sign. And the one credit I will give to Chris Drieger, who did not play well on Sunday, but has been perfectly acceptable all year, is he was good enough when Bobrovsky needed to figure it out. And that gave the Panthers a chance to outplay their goaltending, which is what they did throughout the start of the season. They were playing in spite of the fact they weren't getting the best goaltending in the world. Or Chris Drieger was playing maybe above his head. Now Sergei Bobrovsky is getting to the level we thought he could be at, and it's also coinciding at a time where the Panthers have looked a little bit shakier in their overall play, but not terribly so. But imagine when they're playing at their best with Bobrovsky at his best. That's a team you don't want to face in the playoffs. And that's a team that can beat multiple good teams and get on a run. And that is not something we saw of the Panthers yet. And now we might be starting to see it because Bobrovsky is going to start today when you listen to this when they play against the Blue Jackets, and now that they don't have a huge run of back-to-backs, they might be willing to give Bobrovsky a number of games in a row, which we haven't seen. They've been pretty close to alternating them this season, and it's much more of a goalie tandem than I thought we were going to see. It's kind of exactly what I thought we were going to see. Um, it makes sense if you think about what you're trying to accomplish, and that is 
minimizing Bobrovsky's risk of injury, of overwork, uh, especially at his age. Uh, so by rotating early in the season, um, you're allowing him, especially after you know missing training camp with COVID, to work his well, way into it. We don't know if he had COVID, but I think it's becoming a reasonable explanation that he possibly had it. Because, like, I mean, and then it it could be that, but I mean, there's so many different reasonable explanations on why it would take him a couple, a a couple weeks to get into it. Um, And he wasn't playing. I mean, yeah, he had some stinkers, but he wasn't playing uh, badly. Florida's had worse goalies. Let's just say than Bobrovsky, and and some of those goalies have been well liked goalies like Tomas Vokun. So uh, he wasn't at Jose Theodore. You know, yeah, like, he, wasn't he hasn't a... been. He was not bad. Like he's had bad games, but he wasn't consistently bad overall. I would say I mean... Drieger played better, but I think as we talked about before, a lot of the perception of Bobrovsky comes with who signed Sergei Bobrovsky as a free agent, the contract that they gave him, and also you know everybody kind of likes the story of the backup goalie getting on a heater. Yeah. You know, so I mean, you don't, but I mean, a lot of people who are not you do. I don't, and, I don't, I don't need a narrative. No, I know you don't, but I'm, I'm saying that that's what some people have, you know, that is their thing, and it's, and it's, and it's fair enough. I don't, I don't begrudge them for it. So, but I always thought that the perception amongst many but, I mean, fans of Bobrovsky was colored by that. The rotation we see with goaltending is what we should have been seeing with skaters, and I, I'm at least happy we're seeing what we saw with the goalies. I would want it to, you know, carry on a little more. I think we are seeing a waning Chris Dreger, and you know, I still I don't think he's going to fall off a cliff and, and not be quality for the rest of the year, and not be, um, you know, a good one B. But I I don't know if nine five is nine you know a nine four nine five is what you should expect from Chris Dreger, even if he's going to be a good starting goalie in the NHL. I mean that that's still pretty high end. And you bring that up because I wanted to bring something up that I noticed in an athletic article of, of potential trade targets. And two Panthers were mentioned. One of them was Alex Wenberg. And the, the tag for that was if the Panthers fall off, then they could trade him. Well, it doesn't look like they're going to fall off based on the way the central division is shaking out. You know, Chicago is where they are, but the Panthers are what five points ahead of them with two games in hand and yeah. a billion points ahead of the stars who would have to go on an absolutely insane run and beat Florida every time in order to get into that position, it, it really starts to feel like they've built up enough of a cushion where you don't have to necessarily worry about them not making it. Now it's a matter of can get home ice in the first round. But the question about Drieger is interesting because they mentioned him as three on their trade bait board. And there is some reasoning why you might trade him. The first of which is you can't protect him in the expansion draft. So Seattle's going to probably want to take him. Which is well, he's a UFA, so they they would give them exclusive negotiating rights, so they could sign him immediately. And for the Panthers, you would not probably give him a long-term deal. That doesn't make sense because next year, I mean, Spencer Knight's lighting up BC when they actually play college hockey this season. So you're starting to think maybe next year Spencer Knight is in the A, and if he's in the A next year, then we're not too far away from him in the NHL. And if Drieger continues to play like this, he's not going to want a one-year. I'm going to be the quasi backup again. He's going to want more of an opportunity. I, so, I wouldn't put Spencer Knight goes back to BC. Uh, most likely they didn't have a full year year this year. He's not going to be playing that many games, et cetera, et cetera. I would, I would want to see him back. Well, there whatever the case the may be, you can't give Drieger anything long-term. 
and I mean, I wouldn't sign Dreger. I I would I would be using him as bait for expansion. Absolutely. I think. I mean, because the other... there's no. I don't think you're gonna get like. What are you gonna get for Dreger that would be worth trading him? See, that's and not that's a having... discussion I wanted to have because I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I'm not the biggest situation. Dreger. I'm not the biggest Dreger fan, but there's no reason to rock the boat in goaltending right no, now. No, I don't think there's any reason. And to I'm a huge Montenbeau fan, and that's who would be taking the spot. And, and um, I believe Montenbeau yeah. could get it could get it done. And if there's an injury, he's who I want to be the guy stepping in, not not the guy below him. So I, I just I would say there's no reason to do anything with the goaltending this year. Just let Dreger be expansion bait. Or be a short-term option, maybe, or just. I, I, I don't care if they lose him in the expansion draft because you can't. I mean, backup goalies are harder to find, but Drieger is is found money, and if you lose him, that means you don't lose any of the other players who I think would hurt well, the Panthers more if they lost. I think I think you have to look at it this way. The Panthers do not. The Panthers have shown in the last eighteen months the ability to find good goalies pretty quickly in all in the beginning of the draft in the end of the draft and you know free agent you know with getting a Dreger um Montembeau they've kind of gotten developed and you know at least enough to his potential to, to say that that was a decent third round pick mm-hmm. um especially compared to that goalie draft class so uh especially at the time of the draft uh, so I mean, what, if I'm thinking of what the Panthers should be doing at the trade deadline, it should not be trading anything away unless it's a Connolly, et cetera. But that's something that's not going to happen at the trade deadline. Um, it's I would be adding a guy like Eric Stahl or trying to swing for the fences on a Philip Forsberg. Um, Eric Stahl is going to be a UFA at the end of the year. It's a center who has a lot of familiarity with Carolina including his brother, who's a top player for Carolina. You know, if we're really going to pull the Panthers-Hurricanes thing, which is possible at this point, like that, I, I, I think if you were going to ask me now, I mean, some of the projections still have it Panthers-Lightning, but I, I, Carolina's not going to win that division. It's going to be Tampa. So I would imagine then, I mean, just Eric Stahl playing against the Hurricanes in the playoffs would be very funny, extremely funny. Now, the one thing I would say about Drieger, just to tie this back in quickly, is what would the offer have to be to trade him? The other part of this that comes in is what team needs a goalie. And I look through most of the teams that can need a goalie. One of the teams I'm thinking of is Edmonton, but it's going to be harder to do trades with Canadian teams because of the border issue. So Edmonton's probably not going to be able to pull it off, and they don't necessarily have the assets which you want. Pittsburgh might be a team because they always swing for the fences, but they don't have the assets that you'd want necessarily. I mean, I mean, what, teams, what what would I mean? I like, think what, you would need to get a very good draft pick at the least, or a mid tier decent prospect. Yeah, and you I know? mean, I don't think you're gonna. I don't think you're gonna get. I think it's gonna be a draft pick, and I think at best you're gonna get a third round pick for him. And to me, I that's, think you can get a. I think some team who would, if they were really desperate, might give you a second, maybe. But I don't well, think I would trade for, him for that. For reference, was it Grubauer went for two seconds? Cam Talbot went to a, for a first. Is he that? Is he at that level? 
Um, he's bad. I, I, well, I don't, I don't think, think Talbot so. went for a first, but I, like, is he Grubauer? Yeah, I don't Talbot think went he's... for a first to Edmonton from New York. Oh, that's right. He did. That was 2015. I completely forget about that. Um, cause it's just not just been the big goalie trades recently. Um, I think it, it would be, it would, again, it's not something I expect Florida to do. I don't, I don't think they're going to do that because there's, again, there's no real point in doing it because I mean, Maybe you lose him in the expansion draft anyway. At this but point, they, who cares? But they, what, what do they need to add? And, and you, you, I what think you it's not about with me. Because Ooh, what a goal. I'm sorry. Yeah. That was Messi scoring while I'm watching this. That was a yes. sick goal for Lionel Messi. I apologize. Messi would make me do that. But the point you made about Eric Stahl is interesting because I've been thinking about that too. And it comes down to, honestly, they could go into the playoffs and not really make a trade. And I wouldn't hate their roster I wouldn't hate their chances because they're playing pretty well right now but if you're thinking about what would you want yeah a, a a guy who can in theory make Wenberg a little bit more expendable quote-unquote would not be a terrible idea because I think most people would say Eric Stahl was is better than Alex Wenberg even though that's not how they've played this season but a lot of that with Eric Stahl has well, to gives do you with a different, the it gives you a different it gives you a different type of option. It gives you different looks in a matchup. It gives you a guy who's more experienced and more positionally. I mean, Wenberg's pretty positionally sound and, and defensive and everything, but I think it would allow you to allow to get both Barkov and Wenberg in the offensive minutes. Use Stahl as is in a checking third line role, you know, and build your lines around that. Uh, you know, it gives you Lostrain and. and Wenberg, more flexibility, take some pressure off them. If Lundell is coming in, again, it takes pressure off him. Um, and, and the other part that we mentioned about the trade deadline is, I mean, Lundell unfortunately has COVID, and we don't know how that's going to affect him. And I hope it does not affect him that much at all, obviously. That, that yeah, I mean, at this point, I might just tell him to shut it down for the year. You know, depending, like, I mean, I don't, if, if, if they're going to bring anybody over to play, because at this point they're going to be playing deep enough into May that it might matter. Like, it seems to me like Lindell, they might just wait on. You know, they might just give him the year and just say, we'll, we'll see you in the fall. But, well, I mean, well, part of the equation is who is Joe Quinville actually going to play and who is he not going to play? He has no problem playing guys who are in their mid-20s with no pedigree and who have just played a crap ton of minor league hockey like Lomberg or Marchman and stuff like that. He's fine trusting them, and give, and when they make mistakes or they F up, he's he's fine continuing to put them out in the ice, and when or like a Vetrano and stuff. Like when they're struggling, he'll put them in the shootout to like motivate them. But as soon as it's like a Dennis Sanko or a Tippett and they don't do yeah. something right, it's it's it, they get off the ice. It's not even uh, they get moved down or they, you know... How how Tippett had like one period on the first line looked great and it was impossible to get him back there, like I don't understand it. So are they if they bring Lundell over, they have to you have to play him. You don't you don't well, you don't bring they, him over to sit him. Well, yes, but then and if you do play him, you can't put him in a in a position where his mistakes are going to be heightened because he's in a more important. Where would role. you where would you put him? Because I don't think you'd I mean, start him on I the wing. It it really depends. I mean, I think you're far away because, to oh, me, I, I'm upset. I'm upset that Joel Quinville hasn't explored some of these options because I would love to get a defender or be looking at a defender this trade deadline. But I honestly 
don't know if they've done enough to evaluate the nine to ten defensemen that they have that can play in the NHL right now or are willing to sit certain ones to utilize the D that they well, would Well, I think it kind of quasi-helped that Anton Strawman got hurt because we've yeah. been asking for him to be scratched just for a maintenance day. You know, just yeah, be like now the problem is that other D are hurt too. So like and like Juleson's hurt, which sucks, and you know, and they got Nudivara back in the lineup um, after he'd missed like three weeks with an injury. Forsling's been hurt some of the time, so they had to play Kevin Connaughton, and he was fine, by the way. I, I mean, Kevin Connaughton as your like ninth defenseman is not bad; it's much better than anything right. they've had so, in recent years. So that's what I'm saying. Like, is it worth trying to rent a defenseman when no, when, no, 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 no? I don't think they're going to do when, that the depth guys you have are good enough and then you don't really know what their ceilings are because you have been stuck playing Yandel, Strom, and Gudis for 98% of the games. Well, Gudis, I think, has actually been... No. Even, you're, not, you're not there on it? Okay, here's what we need to talk about. Gudis is go- always going to look visibly good as long as he's hitting and energetic. He's one of those players. No, a, a Florida fan and especially someone who plays fantasy hockey where hits and pins matter, is never going to say Gudis is not a good player because of that optical illusion, if you want to call it. But, mm-hmm. I mean, Joel Quinville has twice been quoted recently saying he's been very unhappy with the turnovers in his own zone late in games and, or, soft, or, you know, soft he play was late in games. He pissed last and, night. And I have not seen Joel Quenville more angry after a win than, Radko, than he was last night. Radko Gudis is one of the main offenders of that. His passing has been increasingly sloppy, especially the closer it gets to his own net. And that is something that is going to come back and bite them. When Dreger is playing his best and when Bob's playing at his best, it doesn't seem to be an issue as much. But, I mean... And I'm not saying he has to sit all the time. I'm just saying, like, every couple games or back-to-back, you can rotate him out to get to make sure that Stillman or Juleson or Nudavara or whoever or get maybe get Strawman back in, you know. When he's, when he's healthy, yeah. The point, like, we're running into this with forwards, and you want to have this problem with forwards with D and goalies. You want to have to rotate guys in and out to get everybody games. You want to have to sit down players and say, you're not playing today. It has nothing to do with your performance. It has everything to do with, you know, maintenance because you're, you, you were recently injured. So we want to, you know, give you a day off a couple weeks later to make sure you don't re-injure that groin again. Or because you are 33 and you hit a lot. That, or, you know, Gudis is 30. Holy cow. Yeah. Wow. He, yeah, you sold him a little short there, which is okay. I, I mean, mean, look at him. He does not look much. Oh, he does not look 30. I mean, I mean, there are some players that, I mean, Brett Connolly looks like he's 45, and he's like in his 20s. Yeah, and he's Bukestad's draft year. And he is Bukestad's draft year. That is correct. And Nick Bukestad still has, the, better, has that look. He's a better player than him. No, this no. is correct. He is definitely a better player than him. Although Let's I still just say don't mind congratulate him 100 goals back with the Minnesota Wild. Listen, in that we don't complain about team. anybody who used to play for the Panthers looking good elsewhere. You know, it's the same thing. Like, I know Vincent Trocek has scored a goal in every game against Florida this season and will continue to do so. He's going to score an OT winner that eliminates Florida in the playoffs, and it's going to suck. So, I mean, I'm just prepared for that now. 
But, like, I'm not complaining that he looks good. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for Nick Bugstad. The trade was and, the best thing. The trades were the best thing for those two players. Oh, no, it's 100% correct. McCann's been a very good player for the Penguins. Bugstad now has a chance to, at in his hometown, figure things out with a team with the Wild that doesn't have centers. Look at the Panthers now. I mean, yeah. if they still had I mean, Bugstad, there were things you, they you could have. Do. You have 21 skater spots with the – I mean – it, this year, they can even have more depth. But think about it next year when they – I mean, I think they're going to make some changes to kind of always have a taxi squad moving forward. Um, but I think – Well, Lundell's going to be there next year. Yeah, That's I mean, a big there's, deal. There's going to be – you're going to have it's, – it's a game of musical chairs, and that drives competition, that drives consistency – and that drives that next man up mentality that you see teams that win the cup have. Mm. You know, we're talking about the Los Angeles Kings. We're talking about the Chicago Blackhawks, Detroit Red Wings, Pittsburgh Penguins, St. Louis Blues. And right now you're talking about Vegas. You're talking about Tampa. Yeah. You're talking about I mean, Carolina. Yeah. But, I mean, Boston. Teams, teams that are consistently good in the regular season that consistently show up in the playoffs that, that give themselves a fighting chance, even though – Carolina's been fighting the fact that they still can't find, like, a true goalie. Uh, you know, like, they have sure. major flaws, and they can still operate at that high level because they employ and leverage their depth in the right way to make sure that they, you know, are able to withstand injuries because the guy that's coming in was just playing three days ago and just popped in like an assist and had a couple big hits or block shots or something, and the guys are reeling for him. I mean, look, think about the difference it's been, Q versus other coaches, where Q can spot some, a, a, something that um, the team can feed off of. Uh, he's done Nolan it. Atari getting a hat trick. He's done it. A, exactly. He's done it a lot with, you know, I, I don't want to say – dime a dozen but like just good standard bottom six nhlers uh or you know like a guy like mark pisk mark pesic who ended up becoming a forward and getting yeah. a hat trick you know like like things like and i think one of the things you mentioned about that is because it, it was a huge motivational tactic for them last year when joe quenville knew i didn't have the horses i don't have the guys here i need to find a way to motivate them you know, I need to find a way to push them to be better than what they are. You know, they didn't play well in the bubble, but, you know, that was the only reason why they could even be in remote contention last yeah. year is because they but had you... those Nolachari hat tricks and Mark Pesic and Mike Matheson playing as a forward, you know, things like that. It's a little different this year. He still did it with the Chari with that hat trick on the power play. I loved that. That was hilarious. That, that made me laugh. He's, he's and, doing it with Marchman right now. I he mean... is doing it with March. And again, this will not last. And I will say this about Mason Marchman briefly, and it is worth saying. He is far better than any of the detritus that was in the bottom six in recent years. The, the Tony Nottos, the Dryden Hunts, the Haley's, and all these other random guys. He's better than Seth Griffith, I'll give him that. And I think there's something with his game. He is not a top six forward. He's not a top nine forward. Maybe this year he is on the playoff roster and you do get him into games. But if he's one of your like top AHL call-ups in the future... That's not a bad thing, right? Like he's got more skill than most of well, these guys. I mean, let's. Just, I mean, to be blunt, he's twenty six, so it's gonna and it's gonna be a shit or get off the pot soon type of thing. And I think he's a 
guy that you keep in your 13, 14. Um, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Like a, a depth guy, and, and like he's fine. Like him, Lamico, and and Achari on the fourth line is is fine. But that is a that you, is a very solid fourth you, line. You have to under- not, you know, is not a black hole of things happening. Yeah. yeah, and like he can move up and down the lineup and all that stuff. But again, like this is. I don't even know why we got on this, but well, Larchman I just to is just briefly. being fed minutes by Q because he's a he's a guy who's 26, who his father was an NHL player, a longtime NHL player. He's played like seven, eight years in the minor league pros. He understands. So unlike a Denisenko or unlike a Tippett or something, he he's kind of motivated. This is one of my last chances uh to to get an nhl job in in my career uh i know what i have to do i'm used to ahl i'm used to the nhl um and he can go out and do it and that's fine and dandy and choose using that to get that immediate burst and to be able to feed off of that but you also have to at the same time rotate in denisenko all the time denisenko should have been rotating a lot more they should have been playing denisenko like they've played Tippett so far, and they should have played Tippett like they've played Marchman so far, uh, except starting it earlier in the year and now being whatever Mason Marchman's mm-hmm. going to be playing in two weeks. Well, like, when, when, you know, when Anthony Duclair comes rotation. back on the weekend, I mean, Marchman's going right. to go back to the third or whatever line that is. Well, then what... So, yeah, and then there's more guys. So this is why I'm talking about why that rotation matters, because pretty soon, Marchman's going to be getting cold, getting on ice. And if someone goes down, would you rather have him be 12, 12 games sitting on the bench or three games sitting on the bench because he's rotated in every four or five? Yeah, I mean, like, I like it also comes as, like, who you think is untouchable in the lineup. Like, who can you not scratch? You know, like, um, part of the – Well, part I, of think that they gotta, I think that they got to start giving Hornquist maintenance days. The – the their their playoff ticket is pretty much punched. I mean, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but we're halfway through the year. By the time Thanks. we next do a show, us two, it'll be more than halfway through the season. And at this point, it is the Panthers. They could easily screw this up, but they are yeah, like well beyond the point of off. they're not a bubble team. This is not a team that's fighting for its life. It is like if you look at the projections from Money Puck or Micah or any of these other people who do the playoff projections, they're like 96, 97% to make the playoffs. I, I would honestly say that there's nobody who is really untouchable to sit, except maybe Ekblad. Well, the other thing that you mentioned that with, with, with Barkov, who had, got quasi-hurt and is taking a maintenance day in practice the day we're recording this, like, later in the year, if you're playing a bad team, like, I even wouldn't mind. I mean, it would be hard to do that, but, like, I, I even wouldn't mind Barkov getting a little night exactly. off, too. Exactly. You know, just, I mean, just for the sake of making sure that these guys are ready come to play. And Hornquist is, is definitely a guy because of the style he plays. Like, we know that he's had injuries in the past. And it's been a benefit for the Panthers that he has not gotten hurt yet. But if I think of players that are really going to be important for this team come the playoffs, the number one most important player that isn't Bobrovsky is probably Hornquist because he's done it before. And as much as I love, you know, Aaron Ekblad and as much as I love the way that Barkoff and Uberdo are playing, and it's so great to watch them be at next level good again. And it's why you're a little little hyperbolic, but yeah. Yeah, 
but I am. But like, but Patrick Hornquist is such an important player when it comes to playing playoff hockey. The style you have to play to win games against good teams in the playoffs. You know, Patrick Hornquist is extremely important. And if they lose him, they don't have anybody who can do what he does. You know, he is. And that's why I think it's one of the only things that they should be looking to add is that type of forward. Uh, and I still think the that the only position, thing but... that they can add is a forward. And you're right. But I'm trying to think of a forward that's like Hornquist that isn't a black hole otherwise. You know, who is that guy? Eric Stahl. I mean, I mean, he's not having a great year in Buffalo, but who is? And nobody. Yeah, and again, you you can trade you can trade for him. You can do the corn. I don't know what the quarantine thing is, but you don't Probably have to not use because he because he doesn't have to go over the border. So, but you don't have to. You know, you don't have to rush him in. You don't have to make him play a whole bunch. You know, and it's you know, it's more just. Getting him for the playoffs, get him accustomed and acclimated, and when the playoffs start, turning him up so you can win a series against Carolina, and or, that's or all. even Tampa or Dallas. Yeah, and if you, you can, I mean, I would love to say the Panthers are Stanley Cup contenders. Oh God, I would love to say it, but I just don't. I think that they have a shot of winning a series, and right, and maybe competing and winning a second series, and. If you just time it and try to get Eric Stahl to help you do that, I think that's that would be big, and that would be a person that's not too expensive to I mean, acquire. What would it cost you? A second round pick, maybe? Who knows? I mean, but it. I don't know. He's he's got a ten team no trade list. He says he wants to go to a team, obviously that's going to be playing playoff hockey. Um, and you I don't think have to worry about that. I think you could say, you know, obviously Florida has the nice weather and the tax and all that, but you can say, listen, you can come to Florida and you can play between Florida and Carolina with your brother, most likely in the first round or the second round. And uh, we're one of maybe two teams that can give you that opportunity. Because I don't think it makes sense, because it wouldn't make sense for Tampa to do it. I mean, maybe the Hurricanes would do it, but I also don't think they need to. I you think know. the Hurricanes would definitely – I think that's going to be your bidding war, and the only reason it would get expensive is if both you and the Hurricanes won it. Because if if, I, if Buffalo was smart, they're not smart. But if Buffalo was smart, they would – if Carolina or Florida ever called them up about stall, they would immediately call the other team up and say – Probably. Probably. Is, but I think but I think you're right about them needing a, a, a forward and like it's not that I don't think that some of the guys that have been playing have been good, but adding Eric Stahl adds a little more to your lineup. And it's again, he's a rental. You you well, probably don't bring him back. Well, I mean, let's really break it down and and let, I mean just look at their forwards. Let's talk about who's gonna be playing. Mm-hmm. March I mean, Lomberg, God forbid he plays, but Marchman, Lamico, Tippett, Lostranin, Achari. I mean, like, Achari's the only guy with experience. Hinnestroza hasn't been great. No. Uh, you know, Vertrano, Wenberg. I mean, I, I would want more of a matchup guy. There are guys who can play chippy, who can grind it out, who can forecheck. There are guys who are, you know, that can scrap and all this stuff, that can finish their opportunities and things like that. They're not. I wouldn't say they're all net drag, but, like, Marchment, Tippett, Blomberg, uh, is not, aren't great defensively. I would be worried about you know about them and if getting out there against some 
wrong line at the wrong time in a when series. When you think about the way that I mean, think go back to the games against Tampa and go back to the games against the Hurricanes and you start going, what's that third line, quasi third line for Carolina? What is it, Trocek, Natchez, and Niederreiter? I mean, yeah. as much as I have really enjoyed A2 Osterain and the way he's played, as much as I, you know, as much as I really want Owen Tippett and Gregory Denisenko to succeed, that third line looks a little different if it's, you know, Alex Wenberg's there, you know, because Eric Stahl can play up and down the lineup and there's a little versatility, you know. Yeah, you when just you're need playing the against. Yeah, and also, it's not like the third line's been bereft of offense, because it had been, but you do need a little something different for the playoffs. And I think that Eric Stahl, you brought it up to me when we were texting back and forth, and I actually agree with you on how that's a really good idea. Because I was always thinking, they need a forward. But I couldn't tell you, like, what is the forward they need? Because they've gotten so much out of all the guys they already have. But one more forward is definitely not going to hurt you. And once you get to the playoffs, you can have, you know, a huge group of black aces anyway. Who cares? So. Yeah, and then that's that's where your Marchments and Lombergs and or you know whoever that whether it's Marchment or Tippett or Denisenko or you know whoever makes up that group. And whether a guy out. like Henrik Borgstrom comes back over, he's playing very well right now. You know, is, uh, is yeah, that a possibility? Yeah. It's possible. Again, yeah. it's, it's and, a thing and, that and they can do. To me, see, right, depending on the like, I would trade. Like, I wouldn't trade Borgstrom at this trade deadline unless you're getting a guy like Philip Forsberg. I mean, I don't think Patrick Laine is getting moved, but I obviously would do that too. But, like, to me, Borgstrom, like, he's playing well. There's no – you're not – there's no real need to make a move. You don't want to be forced into making a move or trading something. I'll make a move for a draft pick or something, but I think – Borgstrom, more so than a draft pick, represents a more valuable asset to the Panthers because he can contribute next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and also I will say, when you mentioned Philip Forsberg, you only do that if the deal's right. And as, I mean, I do it. I do it if the deal's a little overpriced, too. I mean, he is exactly the four they need. He's only signed for one more year beyond this year. It's pretty reasonable Six million, yeah. They have cap space. They have plenty of that. And he is the exact same type forward you need. That allows you to either put Barkov and Huberto back together and not lose that threat that Huberto gives you on the second line with for Lindell, or keep that split. Have Huberto, Lindell, Forsberg, Barkov. You, they need somebody with that IQ. They've drafted a lot of high-end skilled forwards uh, like Tippett. Uh, like Denisenko, I I really like them. I think Denisenko more so than Tippett has very much more so uh, than Tippett has the IQ, but I not to the level that Forsberg does. Forsberg right now is somebody that is a dual threat shooting uh, and passing. He creates high danger cross crease opportunities, whether passing or shooting, and he is very effective. Like his shooting percentage and all this stuff is very good um like everything it looks great for philip forsberg i don't i would trade a lot to get him um i don't think that nashville's going to do that but i i don't understand why they wouldn't they're saying that they're they they did say a couple weeks ago anybody but yossi or ellis was up for for grabs well and then they They and then david Poyle reconsidered 
But but they did. I've never seen him. Say, I haven't seen them say like they did with Ellis and uh, Yossi that Forsberg Listen, was specific. I mean, I, I think Philip Forsberg's a guy they probably should consider trading because you need to rebuild and you need to get assets. But yeah, and are that's you, another question for is, another day. This is the time to trade. I mean, you're going to get the most now for him, that now and at the draft. But I mean, you'd probably get a you get a decent amount from a team right now for him. So if I was I Florida, think- Calling it uh, Borgstrom a first, calling it Chanak, I'd throw a decent amount to get Philip Forsberg. Mm, I think that's possible. something that you look at how they played, you look at if they can beat Carolina and get on a rush and Bob's in a groove and they have a scorer like Forsberg, it's not – they can compete with Tampa and they need to compete with Tampa this year. They definitely need to compete with Tampa next year. And he's going to be contracted and familiar with the team next year. I would throw a lot, and I would actively pursue it. You Him also and- mentioned something prior to the season that was interesting. It is the the uh, we need to prove to Sasha Barkov that staying here is a good idea thing. Yeah. What. what- and- Whatever that means to him and bringing in a guy like Philip Forsberg to play with him or to allow Hubert to come back to his line tells Barkov he yes. Like, As if this season didn't already do that because it did, because he's, he's playing at a next level and he's finally going to get the ability to play like high-level postseason games, which he hasn't had. He's done once. Yeah, and, and nothing against Duclair and Verhage. I mean, I think they've shown to be more than capable. Both of them this players. season have been excellent. But, excellent. But, I mean, they are not Forsberg. They are not Philip Forsberg. I mean, and Verhage and Duclair have not finished opportunities at the same level that Forsberg has proven at a consistent level, and he's young enough to keep doing it at least for two, three more years. It's possible. I, I don't. Realistic. I don't discount the possibility. Yeah. So I. I think that that's something. If I'm Florida, I mean, that's all I'm thinking about these days is what are they doing to improve? What are they doing to take the next step? Because they've they've now shown that they've they're listening to Quinville. They're now showing that this GM, this culture change, whatever they sold them at training camp, Worked. is working. It started. It wasn't a false start. They didn't, you know, come out the gate slow. They came out the gate fast, and that wasn't fool's gold because they've kind of kept on to it. Even though six, they've had... I think we need to mention their record again because it is crazy to think they are sixteen five and four. They have not lost consecutive games in regulation all season. They've lost consecutive games once in twenty five games. And I'm that just knocking crazy. on wood. I'm just knocking on wood because they've had a good run of health, and that's been a huge contributing factor too. And that's why I'm saying, it. you know, there's a lot of reasons to do this. Hubert's 27, Barkov's 25, Ekblad's 25. We're not how spring many chickens. Kicks, how many kicks are you going to get out of the can? Uh, are you going to get at the can? And it, depending on how the matchup is, if they can get out of this, the other conference in the East is a shit show. Well, I mean, also the other thing that's going to help them is the other help. The, well, it's not necessarily playing the East. It's remember this year it's based on points. So, like they will play. You know, it depends on how many points they get in the regular season. So, if they have the most points of anybody remaining, and if they win the Central Division playoffs, they will because only one other team has more points than them. That's Toronto. 
So, like, they could end up being, you know, the team with the most points after coming out of the Central, which means you could end up playing. You wouldn't have to necessarily play whoever wins the East. You know, you could end up playing, you know, Vegas or somebody like that. Like, it's possible. You know, something like that could happen. So, I mean, like I'm saying, like, if you but, get on a run, you could get on a run. You know, yeah, we but, saw, I mean, we've seen teams have you, that happen how do you get to, How do you get to the finish line? It's... It's beating Carolina. It's building. It's taking the risk to build, get players who can b- beat Carolina, who can possibly beat Tampa. And, and if you can do that, um, you will prove to other players around the league you're serious, other coaches, other people that can be hired. Uh, and that is how you build and, and move forward uh, because you're gonna, you're, the job isn't done. Uh, they they will have a need for a, a top end left handed defenseman uh, very soon. Uh, that's not going away. They have to attract somebody. They have to get somebody to want to be there and want to be there at a good cost. Uh, whether it's through... well, the other thing that you're out you're wondering about is they've got this year and next year with Barkoff and Huberto on, you know, way below market value contracts, because I mean they're going to keep Sasha Barkoff, but like when they keep him. What are they going to pay him? Eichel money, like ten mil a year, because eventually the cap's going to go up again at some point. Maybe not next year, but at some point it's going to. And for that, you're going to need to pay Barkov a lot of money. You're going to need to pay Huberto a lot of money, and you're not going to get rid of them. So you have to find a way to win while you have them on the friendly deals that you have them on. And right now they have them on friendly deals, and they've got this year and next year before the piper comes. You know what I mean? It's like Tampa. And Colorado and other good teams have to figure out how do we win when we have the great contract situation before we're going to have to lose guys. It's the, that's the cap world. And unfortunately, the cap's not going to go up as much as it should, or we hoped it would. Although, it is going to go up more because of a certain TV contract. But before we talk about ESPN and the draft... Well, the last, we to... last thing, I just there's probably people listening who are thinking, oh, cap space, oh, God, why did we sell, sign Bobrovsky? Let's just remember that there's about $19 million in cap space before you get to Bobrovsky that's being taken up by Yandel. Connolly. Yeah, and Connolly. And and let's not remember Scott Darling and Luongo. Luongo Bayat, yeah. Like the Demers, not, even, uh, Demers counts for half a million this year. I mean, like it's like there's a lot of money that's dead and that's coming off the books in the next two to three years. Next year, with nobody re-signed, uh, nobody like if you just go straight, they've got twelve million on the cap uh, cap space next season. Which uh, the only UFAs, Wenberg's UFA, Henestros's UFA, you're not going to bring them back. You've got RFAs of Lamico and Stillman and For and Forsling, and like those are guys you don't have to worry about. Like they're not going to eat up your cap. Connolly's yeah. not going to be back next year. I still fully believe one of Strawman or Yandel's not back next year. So once you get rid of that, that offers up a lot of cap space. And of course, the big guys don't get off the books yet, so they've got plenty of. They're going to have room. The cap is fungible. You can get around it. They are not in cap hell at this point. That's why signing some of the players they did at relatively cheap deals. And again, if you have to move on from a Nudivaro or Gudis to get some space in, you're going to be able to do that. They've got plenty of cap room in the end to make the moves that you're talking about. I'm not worried about the cap. And Bobrovsky is not the biggest worry on the cap right now. Yeah, it's $10 million, But if you're a good team, you're paying a lot of money for a goaltending duo anyway. So... That, that is the situation. And whoever your goalie is next year as your quasi-backup, he's not going to be on anything more than, you know, he's going to be on less than a mil. Whether it's Drieger coming back or whether it's Montebo or anybody else like that, they're not going to be that expensive. 
So that's the cap situation. You wanted to talk about the Avs and the Flyers. I think we should talk about them because they're both intriguing teams as much as, you know, as much as it is fun to talk about a Panthers team that is properly good and is basically a playoff team halfway through the season, which never happens. Um, the, the Avalanche have had uh, so many injury issues this season. It's been very frustrating to not be able to watch the Avs at their best. But yeah, it's I mean, old hat at this be. point, unfortunately. Yeah, it's just, it stinks. Because, like, you look at that team and you go, oh, my God. Again, they're still going to be an incredibly tough out, but they've had far more injury issues than anybody, you know, would have uh, imagined. And that's kind of limited them in a minute. Anyway, like, they're fourth right now in the, in the division at 28 points. They've also only played 23 games. They've got a lot more to go. But, you know, they're, they're just kind of muddling along right now while they try to figure out what the like to get healthy you know what i mean like the teams that are closest to them are teams that are not going to really threaten them i don't think arizona is going to threaten them i don't think the kings are going to threaten them the teams that are in the top four of that division right now are probably the four that are going to make it you know st louis minnesota colorado it's just it's it's one of those things where it's like they're just kind of muddling through and at some point you expect them to turn it on but it hasn't happened yet they're they're getting there i mean it, they have four emergency loans right now. Three, three are on D. One's a goalie. Uh, you know, Connor Timmins is is a decent defenseman, so that's a solid emergency loan. But Jacob McDonald, we've seen him. He's all right, but he's a tweener. He's not, you know, and you know, Hunter Miska's done okay in that, but um, compared to Pavel Francoeur, uh, just Francos. it's not. Not good. So they're without they're without Eric Johnson, Byram, and McCarr. That's that's pretty pretty decent amount yeah. of defensemen you're without. Yeah. Luckily, I mean, their cast of characters in the forward group always seem to get it done enough. And the West this year is not Canada division, but um, it, it does seem to be a league that's driven by. I think you can. Group I right think. Now. I mean, Vegas is is beatable. Uh, when they get to full, I mean, they've had injury issues too, but all those teams are beatable. You don't see in there, you go, oh, that's a terrible, you know, that's a juggernaut, you know. It's just that the Avs have been so injured, it's kind of hard to know what's going on with them in some ways. And, you know, this division more than any other, I mean, even more than the Central, it's like, yeah, there there are some games you probably shouldn't drop, you know. Oh, that's that's a bad loss you had to the Coyotes there, you know. It feels like there's more bad losses in that division as opposed to, you know, other divisions in the in the league. But I, I, I think they're going to figure it out, basically because they got a little room, because I don't think, again, Arizona or L.A. is going to keep up the form they're on. Because the Avalanche are just are muddling along while they're not healthy, and when they get healthy, that's the situation. And the, and, the, and the Coyotes just lost Darcy Kemper. The other team you wanted to talk about is the Flyers. Now, they almost wanted well, to screw I up just, against I the Well, I just want to just point out one more time, Valley Nichuskin, um I've been saying his name on this podcast for years. Uh, he has, again, looked phenomenal. Uh, I mean, phenomenal isn't compared to his role. Um, you know, he's really coming on right now. I just picked him up in fantasy. I'm going to ride this this heater he's on uh, for sure. I mean, to me, he's he's one of those guys who's the mo- one of the most underrated in the NHL. His defensive impact is off the charts, uh, and and what he can do uh, offensively when he gets going uh, is top six quality. And to be able to play him on the third line, 
uh, and and kind of deploy him uh, as they will uh, is pretty great. And and another guy isn't it, isn't it fun to watch a, a front office that really does know what it's doing to make moves like this? Yeah, and, and I thought you know a guy like Jonas Dunskoy, who Panthers fans may remember, um, he he's looked really good for Colorado this year. I thought he was somebody that Colorado maybe, you know, trades uh, or, or moves to free up salary for another move or something. Um, but he's, he's been pretty timely for Colorado. And, what about, and one, what about Brandon Saad too? That, that worked out kind of, exactly as we expected it would. Yeah. Yeah. And he's kind of struggled with, with finishing some opportunities, but it's kind of been a little bit of bad luck. Um, and but I think he's going to be a guy who I think sticks around for next year. I mean, obviously the big elephant in the room is when does Crosby show up for camp um, in Colorado, and how that plays with the cap. Uh, I think at this point, I would bet money Crosby is going to be an Avalanche. I like that. Really, somebody who doesn't need a narrative for hockey. If I'm going to chase a narrative, it's getting Crosby out of Pittsburgh. Um, you really don't like Brian Burke, do you? Uh, no, it's more just Pittsburgh. Ah, okay, I know. And and I and I think Crosby's kind of been hinting it. And uh, oh boy, to me, well, Crosby's not a guy who Crosby wants to win multiple Stanley Cups before his career is over. Uh, again, he does not want to give it up. Uh, he's. I don't think he. I think he understands that his best chance right now is not in Pittsburgh, and he's going to be willing to make the move. Oh but, no! You don't want to. You don't think you can win a Stanley Cup with Mike Matheson on your blue line? Who would have ever thought? No, uh, and no. I, I do want to say, by the way, I mean the Avalanche have an interesting cap situation with Landis Cog and obviously a certain Kale McCarr who is going to get paid. Uh, let's talk about the the Flyers too, uh, just briefly. Uh, they tried to lose to the Sabers. They didn't do that. I want to also mention that uh, we won't get to Sabers quickly. Like, where's Taylor Hall going? That's an interesting discussion. Um, uh, he's apparently resigning because he's an idiot. <laughs> good lord, not not good. Not good there, Buffalo. Um, the Flyers, too, they're kind of muddling. They had injuries. They had COVID as well. Every team that had a major COVID outbreak has had some level of, like, just muddling through it at some point. Um, the East Division is playing out kind of how we expected it would. You've got five teams really playing for four spots. I mean, the Islanders are on a heater right now. There was no way to me the Islanders weren't making the playoffs. That's just what they do. Penguins have muddled through. I think the Capitals have figured it. It's interesting to me with the Capitals that they haven't even had, like, the the highest quality goaltending, you know, because Samsonov had a really bad bout with COVID. They've had good goalie from goaltending for Vanacek. The Flyers have had a, I, I picked Carter Hart to win the, the, the Vesna this year. That, that looks dumb because he's really struggled at times this season. You and know, the, yeah, the, the Flyers the, are still right there. What the crap that Bob got this year. Um, Is Carter Hart getting that? Now? I haven't paid much attention. Not, to the Flyers I mean, fans. he's, I mean, he's starting to get it now because it's just not really picking up. Um, and yeah, he got pulled out know, the first period against against Buffalo. Against Buffalo, I mean, yeah, an Eichelish bus- Buffalo. I mean, an Eichelish Sabers. They're again, they're thirteen seven and three. They've played twenty. They've played twenty three games. They've got plenty of time to to figure this out. And, I mean, their best players haven't been their best players. You talk about Hart. You want to look at Claude Giroux. Uh, I mean, it's kind of like an Ovechkin thing where Ovechkin's just not really doing great this year. Uh, he's not really playing up to his usual potential, even if the effort's there. And that's the same thing with Giroux. I mean, you look at him, he's hustling. He's doing everything he can. He's trying. But, 
Um, some nights are, are a little tough to watch. Uh, he's just kind of, I, I think it's been a hard mental year for him. Uh, there's a great piece on the athletic. Uh, everyone should read if they have access or try to steal it or, you know, whatever you do with it. Well, we don't, uh, we don't advocate stealing here, but we, uh, I, have, I advocate. I'm, I'm not going to advocate for stealing, stealing but I am going to advocate if you do have a friend subscription, I mean, you can use it, you know. Well, uh, yeah, on, you know, the mental toll this year has on NHL players. And there's a couple unnamed uh, unnamed players, and, I, and, what, and half the time I was thinking one of those could be Giroux. I could see how, you know, having COVID, uh, being away from his young family, uh, you know, so much is really hard on him. He's a guy who wears his emotions on his sleeve. He's very uh, passionate and very intense and i think you know if i was in that situation i it would be very hard for me to stay singularly focused all the time so the good news for the uh the philadelphia flyers is they still have a bunch of games left with the rangers who stink the devils who stink still have a couple games left with buffalo they stink too you know i mean the the issue is they they a lot of those games i mean you look at their stretch in you know down the stretch, they have to play a lot of good teams. But they're getting. But if they can make hay against Buffalo, which they've done, if they can make hay against the Rangers and the Devils, then they've got a chance. At this point, the the East has those five teams competing, but you got three bad teams you got to beat up on. You cannot lose to those teams. You yeah. cannot screw up when you play them. You have got to beat them when you can. You know that's that's the. I mean that's the kind of the thing right now with two, three, four in the Canadian division. You need to beat the bad teams, and it's kind of the thing in the Central, though not really. Uh, but even Nashville's not as bad as the Devils and the Rangers. Well, maybe not the Rangers, but definitely the Devils and Sabers. So yeah, I don't, have to I don't, them up. I don't know what they're going to do at the trade deadline, but I know what they're looking for, and that's Niskanen Philip Forsberg. <laughs> well, yeah, Peter Forsberg. But uh, it's really, I mean, I think they're really looking for a Niskanen replacement. Uh, obviously, Ekholm is the guy that's being rumored the most. Um, and that would be... It's not like the something. Flyers haven't tried to pry somebody out of Nashville once before. No, I wonder. Yeah, and, and I, I just think that, you know, that looking at their D, Gosis Bears playing kind of great for how he was looking last little bit, uh, a little bit back from the dead, so to speak. I've not really been super impressed with everybody else. Uh, I think Myers and Sandheim will come along and, and do enough, but after that, it's it's not like the Panthers where there's at least a basic trust in some of their defensemen. Gustafson is is okay offensively, but scares the crap out of me defensively. Braun and Hag scare the crap out of me all the time. Um, and there's not really anybody who's coming who can save them uh, in the from the pro- taxi squad or something like that. So. You brought up that you brought up something about the Panthers defensively. I mean, I didn't realize it. It, it came like as people are mentioning it. Mackenzie Weger's playing top ten minutes right now in the league amongst defensemen. It's yeah. insane. It, it's yeah. totally insane when you think about just how much that pair plays. Thank God he started playing are. better. Yeah. Oh, he's he 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 has noticeably picked it up in the last couple of weeks, and it's you know again david dwork had a good thing up on that pairing and why it works and it's been something that we've talked about and how they they mesh their games but so fascinating to see that and compare it to yeah, and there's, a, there's, like the flyers which i never would have expected 
Yeah, and and the Flyers, I mean, they they kind of have a pair like that with Sandheim and Myers, but they've just haven't really been able to. Things haven't been settled enough for them to really work on that chem- chemistry and take that to the next level. Mm, yeah, uh, it's it's very different. Like you can tell when there's that chemistry. Oh man, Messi again. Just he missed a penalty. He struggled to score here. Griezmann. Oh, what a mess. Barcelona, fascinatingly bad. Uh, speaking of fascinatingly bad, the Sabres, uh, I just have to say, that is a dumpster fire among dumpster fires. And as, I, as, as we know, because we followed the Panthers, who were a dumpster fire for obviously all these years, you know, boy, it's hard to get out of that. I do feel bad for the Sabres. I didn't think they'd be this bad. They are absolutely a tire fire. And I don't know what you do. Like, what do you do at this point? Because, like, they've changed the GM. They've changed the coach. Like, it's kind of like those times where you just, you really don't know what to do. Like, they feel like the Panthers in the 2000s in many ways, right? Like, there's just nothing you seem to do works. Everything you try doesn't work. So what do you do? Like, part of it, like, there was a lot of talk, you know, about an Eichel trade. Like, what do you do? Like, who do you, like, how does that work? Somebody mentioned, like, if you're going to trade him, trade him to the Kings. That would be a thing I would, I would love to see gets him out of the division, and also, I mean, the Kings have the prospect pool. Maybe I've seen somebody mention the Devils would be another team. You know, it would be fascinating to see what happens with that. But that that team is a dumpster fire. You know, like, it almost kind of feels like even when the Panthers were bad, they still had, you know, Barkoff and Uberdo and Ekblad, which is a pretty good core to build around. The, the Sabres don't have that. You know, they, they, they legitimately feel hopeless. I mean, that's what you get for – Trying to dump money uh, into a culture uh, and, I guess, core that's really just rotten and past its prime and needs to be expelled. I mean, the Jack Eichel era has been clown shoes. There's no Um, better way. And I don't really know who to blame i don't know if anyone's blameless in all this um except maybe a, uh rasmus Dahlin, i would say is probably the only one i would say is i could actually had a tough to. year but the, the dude also had covid so i mean he i mean yeah but his tough year is because he's out there on an island uh i i, I from watching some of the games i can at least say that with pretty sure sense of uh being right there i mean i, I would give you talk a about lot bad draft, get... you talk about bad drafts i mean uh, i mean who who else is there what you, what for what this what, year in terms of like just the prospects that should be there middle stats not good you know he he hasn't yeah. turned out yeah, you know, I mean that, that O'Reilly trade was a disaster. I mean they completely screwed up there. They probably should have traded Rista Line and when they had a chance. You know, like I mean, yeah, I mean the prospects that they've kept, they've not given line mates, they've not developed well. And like so you know, they're not they're spoiled. Whether however you want to take that. Overcooked. <laughs> yes. Um, but it's you know, Alex Nylander, they traded away, you know, like Cousins looks okay. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't look bad, but like, no, but I mean, I, they have to basically, he's one of the only players they can keep. I, if I don't know if Darlene's going to be willing to stay. I mean, I think there's so many NHL players who are willing to stay for so, I don't know what reasons, but I can't, I can't see this 
I can't imagine Rasmus Dahlin's like excited about next year. No, excited like, part about of me wonders, four like, as more I said, years like, stuck on this team before he can go to UFA. I'm not sure he's happy about oh, that. Oh, he might be doing – he's doing a bridge. He's doing a bridge deal. He's not doing anything long-term. There's but no you mean way. he still have to – you still have to do – I mean, event, unless you ask for a trade, you have to get through all seven of those years, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I – mean, but again, like, like trading Eichel's a thing. Like, I, I just wonder at what point do you have to do it. I mean, you know? I think they have to do it this offseason. It part of me is, to, as I said, like, but like to do an Eichel trade, like as I said, one of the only teams you could do it with is LA. At least they have enough prospects that they can give you, you know, to make uh, it I worth mean, your while. Really, I mean, you could do it with. I mean, I think you could make that trade with a lot of teams. You make that trade trade with Boston. You make you that could, trade, but they don't have the prospect pool. And you don't want. I mean, you maybe don't want. Pro, you don't want prospect pool. I mean, who are you going to get from? I mean, you don't want somebody else's draft picks, right? I mean, if you're if you're if Buffalo's thinking what they should be thinking right now, you don't want somebody else's draft picks. You want to make your own draft picks. They need to get something from that. Either, either, you, if you're getting a player, it's got to be a young player, sure thing. It can't be a prospect. I'm trying to think about like what that might be, but we'll, I mean, you'd have to like. When somebody mentioned the Devils, like, do you trade Jack Hughes for him? And then part of me is like, you know, you might have to. I mean, I would do that because I think Jack Hughes is not great. Well, you're not a fan of Jack Hughes, and I know Devils fans are. I mean, he has a terrible nickname, but that's not the reason why he's bad. But anyway. uh, No, I just don't think he's. The Sabres stink. Well, Capococco's also had a really tough couple years as well, which is highly unfortunate. I mean, I, I guess. I mean, he's looked fine when I've watched him and stuff. I mean, it, it doesn't help that his coach sucks. I mean... So that is true. His coach is not very good. We've, um, we've gone through this so many times that, like, perform, like, there's so many different lenses and contacts and stuff to look at individual performance. And, I mean, depending on what you look at and everything and what you prioritize over the other, you can have... you Somebody can be playing fine enough and somebody can be be a bust i guess and I, I, it, it is it is it is fascinating we'll get to some other draft things in a moment tommy wanted us to talk about uh the nhl's deal with espn which was just announced uh we i made a joke about barry Melrose off the top um you also wanted somebody to provide you context for what this deal means uh so what context do you want since i am an amateur john Arand? well i mean i don't know like what, well, what, what, is what does this mean to the – I mean, there's there's talks already that, you know, this there's going to be Stanley Cup games on ABC. There's, that is going to happen. There's talks that, you know, there's going to be exclusive content for ESPN+. Plus. Well, there, what ESPN Plus is going to – the ESPN is going to produce games for ESPN+, Plus that are exclusive or not. I have no idea. The, the language is vague. But NHL TV, the product that we both have to use constantly to watch our games – that is going to migrate entirely to ESPN Plus next year, entirely to ESPN Plus. So, Wait, you have sorry. ESPN Plus, you'll have NHL TV basically. Okay, and will I have to pay? I'm guessing I'll have to pay more. I don't know about that for a fact. I would assume you'd have to because right now it's like six bucks a month. I would assume you'd have to pay a little more for ESPN Plus. I don't think they're going. To, it's not like going to be like how they do it with UFC with pay per views, where that costs extra money inside the ESPN Plus 
Well, I mean, like, what I'm saying is, am I going to have to pay the NHL TV fee to just watch NHL TV? No, I, I don't. Th- I think that because you have ESPN Plus, you'll get all of the out-of-market games, the streaming out-of-market games. That's what I suspect. Interesting. Yes, it's kind of kind of works how MLS Live works in, in Major League Soccer, where all the Adam Market so, streaming games are on are on ESPN Plus. So I, as, I mean, they're t- obviously they're going to sell this as a business win, but is is this a business win? And what and is this a business loss for Comcast? I mean, what is this? Well, let me, about? let me let me explain uh, th- this. There is still another half of the deal that has to be signed. It is at this point not signed. I still think it's going to NBC. I mean, Fox is involved, but Fox has issues that NBC, they don't have a streaming product like Peacock or ESPN+. They don't have the ability to show the kind of games that even NBC, now that they're shutting down, NBCSN has to show. Um, NBC pays $200 million for all the rights. That's just a deal that was signed in 2012, uh, John Collins special. ESPN, the rumor is 2 to $2.5 billion over seven years, so that's like $280 million a year which is more than the NHL gets right now. So if you assume that the next pack, the other package is probably like $250 million a year, maybe a little less, you know, Comcast wouldn't have to pony up that much more money. But if you're going to do what I think they want to do, which is they're shutting down NBCSN because their carriage fee is like $0.40 cents a head and USA's is like $1.60, it's a lot more. Uh, how I think it works is because what ESPN's getting, they're getting four Stanley Cup finals. All of them will air on ABC. So that's interesting. Uh, they are getting half of the first two rounds of the playoffs and one conference final exclusively every year. 25 games are going to air on linear TV, and the 75 are streaming exclusives. I don't exactly know what that means. But they'll air on ESPN+, Plus, not on TV, which is annoying. But if you're going to have ESPN+, Plus, you're going to have it anyway. Who cares? Um, the other stuff, they're going to have special events. They didn't mention the Winter Classic. Obviously, that was created because NBC didn't have anything to show on New Year's Day. So whatever, whoever the other partner is, um, they're going to get Winter Classics probably. And that's why I still think NBC is going to be involved. So the special events, that could be the NHL awards, that could be the draft. You know, it could be other things that, they're, that we don't know about yet that they're creating. Uh, but it is a business win for the league. I mean, $285 million for half of their TV rights is better than $200 million for their whole TV rights. And you combine that with the expansion fee they're going to get for the Seattle Kraken. You combine that with the $240, $250 million a year you're going to get from uh, whoever the other partner is, NBC, Fox, and I still think it's NBC that's going to do it. I don't have any intel. That's just a guess. You're doubling your TV rights you know, that you're getting per year. That's a huge win for the league. I mean, that's a huge win for a team like the Panthers who get almost no money from TV, you know, and their TV deal is eventually going to come up, and they're going to get more for it than they've been getting. So it's a big win for the league. You know, getting on ESPN offers you something you don't have when you're just solely on NBC is you get the ESPN talking head car wash talking about the NHL in a way they wouldn't talk about it, you know, when they don't have the rights. So, I mean, I, I, it is definitely not – it's not a bad thing for the league, and they're going to get more money in the coffers of these teams, which if you're a team like, you know, anybody right now, considering we're coming out of the pandemic, that's, that's a win. For ESPN, they don't have to pay as much money you know, to get in on a sport they can easily build up. You know, they're paying a ton of money for the NFL, a ton of money for other properties. $285 million essentially is nothing, you know, to get what they're getting from the NHL because it just costs less to buy into the league. So, yeah, I think it's a win for the, I think it's a win for the league. I think it's a, it's a win for everybody. I mean, unless you are gung-ho on watching games on TV all the time, in which case, wait till the playoffs. 
So does that help you? Yeah. Okay. So I hope I hope um, John Arand is listening, another Maryland alum, because I'm coming to take your job. Anyway, uh, I'm kidding. Um, the one thing I do want to transition here is because one thing that I wonder if ESPN is going to cover is the draft, which might be in the other package. We don't know uh, because they obviously blow out coverage of the NBA draft and the uh, and the NFL draft, which are quite different to the NHL, of course. But we love the draft. It's a big thing for us. And there are changes to the draft that we need to talk about. Well, one's not a change. The other is uh, the draft is apparently still going to be in July this year. It is not being moved. To the chagrin of uh, Steve Eiserman, who really didn't want it in July, but apparently there were too many cans of worms they had to open up to move it back any further. So they're not going to move it back any further. And I know that makes you very happy. Yes. I mean, it was needed. Uh, and it, it cost them. I mean, the, the jams wanted some sort of changes. Uh, and the, the day was staying the same. They had to change some of the lottery rules and, I guess that that's all fine. Uh, I think it's, you know, fixing something that ain't broke when there's a lot of other stuff in the league, like Tom Wilson, that is broke and needs fixing. But, um, you know, that's what the NHL loves to do best. So, uh, you know, it's just I'm just really happy the draft's in July. Uh, I don't have to do coverage, uh, two draft classes in one. I don't have to spend all summer uh and spring writing rankings and stuff when people are months and months away from the draft still uh so it's a big win for me uh i think it's a big win for a lot of these prospect writers who now don't have to cover two classes in one right I, i mean for teams it's a huge win too that don't have to do it i think for the most part teams will uh should draft similarly to their rough average of how they've always drafted. Uh, I think the only difference is going to be the artificial and self-imposed chaos that they put on this. I think a lot of people um, are really making a lot of this draft class and, and making more out of it than it needs to be. I mean, I know there's a lot of varying of opinion uh, and some of that it can be tracked to like this is the most wide open class in a very long time. I don't know how high end this class is, but it's a very wide open class. It's there's because a... there's been the only person who's had prolonged hype is a European. That's the only reason. Uh-huh. There's there's no there's no kid that was 16 years old or 15 years old in Canada or US that was so good, you know that he was talked about and, and followed and stuff for a while. I mean, some of the, the more hyped-up prospects and stuff are older and, you know, just kind of now taking off. So, I mean, th- I don't think that really matters. I don't – to me, I see this as an opportunity. I look at the draft, everything is an opportunity because there's going to be more than 10 good players in a draft. I just only need to get seven or 10 or whatever, however many draft picks I have, right? Uh, And I don't really care about other people and what they get. Uh, So I think that there's an opportunity this year to get the best player in the draft anywhere in the draft. Every time you're picking, you should be picking like it could be the best player in the draft. Uh, To me... I think, you know, the things I lean on uh, are 
what a lot of teams are going to focus more on this year. Uh, the high-end skill, the high natural IQ, um, and the professional or the more um, seasoned seasoned background where the transition to program, the pro game is a little more um, seamless. Yeah, there you go. Uh, anyway, uh, we, we've done enough of these shows where I can fill in the blanks for you at this point. <laughs> I was going to say sandwiches. Um, sandwiches. Okay. Well, I've had a lot no, of those because um, that's what people have shipped me in the last like week or so. It's what happens when a family member dies. They send you sandwiches from some hoagie company you've never heard of. Um, I will say the other thing you mentioned about the draft this year that we, we talk about is it is going to be a your guy kind of draft. You know what I mean? Yep. It, it's going to be a like it might look like this is off the board, but it could be your guy because yeah. in a wide open draft, when you don't have the same level of like scouting that you would normally have, cause there's been a world junior, but you're barely having any Canadian junior. You've had a very stop start college season. You know, the USHL's muddled through and the pro leagues have been paused. You're going to have your guy and you got, this is one of those years where you got a board, you got to stick to it, stick to the board. And I think that that's going to be something that a lot of teams do. Like as a kid, like there is not, a one guy that jumps out at you like there how many guys do you think right now could be that number one overall pick i think that me personally five or six but i think that consensus there's 10 to maybe 12 guys that's, who will, that, who will like, get at least one or two votes as a number one pick and that's, that's all it takes but it's insane like you never see that and it's it's because there's a lot of defensemen up front, and I mean everybody has their type of defenseman that they like draft. You know, like defenseman is, is like you know centers at the top. Everybody knows what a first line center should look like. Yeah, you, know, you know, like this mm-hmm. or, or what a first line winger, what a goal. You know, like it's it's a lot easier. But projecting out like what a first pair defenseman, there's a couple different. You need two different types of first pair defensemen on your team. Hmm. You, you know, you don't need two first-line centers. or you know, Anyway, I, I just think, you know, right now, I to me, the two guys are William Eklund, who's the sw- Swedish forward, putting up historic rates of scoring uh, in the Swedish Pro League. Um, and it was a little on the older side, but he's somebody who – isn't going to take long to jump into the NHL. And I think even if he doesn't make it as a center, even if he doesn't make it as a top six guy, he's going to be a guy who maybe can play third line and get to 20 goals every once in a while at worst. You know, like he just looks like a sure thing NHLer. Um, but I mean, I, I really think he's going to be a top line player in the league. Uh, and defensive wise, it's Simon Edmondson. Uh, I, don't understand why this guy's not getting more love. I mean, I don't think he's as polished as Rasmus Dahlin, but that ceiling, that potential is, I think, the same as Rasmus Dahlin. Uh, and to me, I, I'm jumping out of my chair. I'm looking at, even though Ekblad had a rough development uh, as far as, you know, finding a settled partner uh, and the chaotic front offices and teams he played on, he's still now 25 developed into a 25 minute defenseman whose first pair of quality and whether you think he's a number one defenseman or number two defenseman or whatever other than leon dreisaitl and maybe willie nylander i mean he's 
looking like I I do not regret taking him number one overall. No, 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 no. Hindsight, I mean, he's having everything. a Norris type year. You can't you can't regret taking yeah. him number one. Yeah, exactly. And you think about what you know he's. I don't I don't know if he'll ever get to the Headman, the Pronger, um, the Niedermeyer level. You know those legends of the game level. But I think he could be one of the best defensemen in his generation. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's the potential that he could hit if he continues to take these leaps and bounds year to year. That's the big issue. Um, and, you know, so I don't see an issue with taking a guy like, if I think, you know, um, Luke Hughes, who I don't think, uh, you know, he's not one of my guys, but if I think he's one of those defensemen, I have no problem jumping up and taking him. That's what I'm saying. It's a this your your guy type year where guys are going to, teams are going to trade up and trade down based on whether they think they can get their guy or not. And most teams will likely just have a list of players and cross them off as they get drafted. And when it's their turn, they just pick the guy at the top. Yeah. Um, because... That's why I'm saying like, this could be a wild draft. If you like that sort of like wild, wide openness yeah. sort of thing. Uh, the other thing we should mention about the draft is the old lottery because uh, nobody likes the way they screwed the screwed with the lottery because um, the worst teams don't get the number one overall pick. And I'm sorry, Steve Eiserman, that's life. You got to deal with it. And yet he got so butthurt that they're going to probably change it. What are the proposals that they made? Um, I mean, I, mean, I might have some of the details wrong, but uh, if I do, tell me. Uh, one of the details is that the lottery right now, you get the top three picks via lottery. They're going to change that perhaps to two, which I don't hate. You know, it's not great, but, I mean, it's fine. Such is. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen. You know, I, I, I mean, it, some years there's a three-team draft. Some years there's not. Uh, so, yeah, it's not a terrible idea. It doesn't – I don't hate it. Um Wow. Okay, so Gary Bettman is saying that it's going to be a flat cap or near flat cap for the next four years. I don't think that's exactly true. No, but talk about shooting yourself in the foot, putting your foot in your mouth on a press release. Uh... That's not. That's not. That's not what I would be talking about. I'd be saying this is a great deal. It allows the possibility of the cap to go up in the near future or something like that. Yes. I, I wouldn't be flat out saying the salary cap will be a flat cap or near flat cap for the next four years. That doesn't, I mean, I know there's a I big mean, revenue shortfall, yeah. I mean, but they're going to get there sooner than they think they do. He's loading the ESCO, he's being asked about what this will, you know, what this new revenue source will do for the league, and he's cocking, loading, and shooting the escrow gun right back at the question. So that's Ah, uh, thanks, Gary. Thanks, uh, Gary. Thinking of the draft, that's a great way to go out. Uh, the other thing, as I said, um, two hey, you got your best the... stuff. I get my Batman interjections. <laughs> I know. I I understand. You get so two teams winning the lottery. Uh, two teams for lotteries rather than three. I don't hate that. It's not terrible, but it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. I wish it three is fair enough, but that's not the worst change that they're going to make. Teams allowed to win the lottery two times in five years. Again, I, again, not awful. But, I mean, they don't want, you know, a ranger situation or the devil situation to happen. Um, the one thing I really don't like that they're going to, that I think they probably are going to try to do is they're going to go back to the way it was before 2015 where you can only move up a certain number of spots if you won the lottery. That's stupid. That is completely yeah. If you win the lottery, you win stupid. the lottery. Especially because you're limiting teams to two lottery wins in five years. You can have right. one but not the other. 
If you want to say you can only move up 10 spots in the lottery, that's fine. Then don't limit the number of teams that can win the lottery. Or if we're already making a bunch of different exceptions and this and that, why not just do it like, oh, right, if you win as the 14th team or whatever, instead of moving up to the fourth overall pick, you win, you get the first overall pick, and then you can't win again. Like, you just get one or something. Or you but, win I mean, one in five years. Like, change yeah, it so if you're in a certain position, like, because if Team 8 wins the lottery as opposed to Team 14, um, that's pretty different. Yeah. The, the fallout when that happens, when, a, again, team, like, imagine when the, a team wins from, like, 13th or 12th overall and can't get the first overall pick. So then who, and, gets, the, who gets the number one overall pick? Do right. they run another lottery? I mean... Like, Exactly. Like this is, it's going to be a, when it gets there, it's going to be a PR nightmare. So why even do it? Yeah. It's again, I, I think you can do the, Hey, you can only move up X number of spots in the lottery, but then don't limit the number of lottery wins you can have, or you can only win the lottery two times in five years, but then don't limit the number of picks you can move up because then you've just completely eliminated half the teams from winning the lottery. You know, like, as again, like, if Team 13 can only move up to three, then Team 4, if they didn't win one of the two lottery, the worst team overall would still pick fourth. You know, it, it's, a, it's a solution, and Sarge, it's a search of a problem that doesn't exist. Again, pick one but not the other. That, that's all I'm saying. Like, don't do both. Because do both, you open up a can of worms that's a huge problem. Because then the Flyers at Team 14 win the lottery, they only move up to fourth, but now they can't. But then if they're really terrible in another one of those years because the league changes wildly in five-year swing, as we know, then, oh, you can't win the lottery when you're the worst overall team because you won it two times in five years when you were the eighth-worst team in the league. Stupid. Stupid. Pick one, not the other. That, that's what I, I – again, it's not all terrible, but the way you add it up, it, it, it's not good. So, again, I expect the teams to fight back against this and change it a little bit. But if you want to limit the lottery to two – fine not the worst thing i've ever seen in the world if you want to limit it so teams can only win it twice in five years fine but again you can't do both because then you've screwed you've created a whole other set of problems and as i said pr nightmares imagine if it's a like again imagine if it's a team like the jets who are the 13th you know worst team in the league they can only move up to three and then two teams team seven and team eight win the lottery the worst team in the league still has to pick fourth so we're right back to where the the Red Wings were this year. You know, again, I mean, again, you've created more problems than you needed to create. Pick it's one, It's like the, the other. shootout. It's created now. It's created, I think, more problems than it was intended to fix. But Yeah, that's exactly what you hated ties, but you open up the, you know, it's the offside there's, review, right? And there's just, and there's just as much complaining. It's like the, the most annoying thing about it that it was supposed to solve is the thing that didn't change at all yep so what do we do again it's like the offside review (laughs) the offside review came from a reasonable place but then they implemented it and became a huge problem and then they had to tweak it you know the we have to review major penalties you know things like that that's how the nhl goes they think they're creating a, a solution to a problem but it turns out they've created problems they didn't see coming and with the draft it's really easy to see what's about to happen extremely easy so that's 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 that. Oh, um, we, let's talk about a couple coaches firing briefly. How the hell is Daryl Sutter coaching in the NHL in the year of our Lord 2021? How is that happening? Well, Why? because because he's a likable guy. I mean, Even and that he may have actually abused players. 
I mean, I haven't heard that. I mean, not that I'm dismissing. Well, Carcillo said it. So, I mean, if he says that it's probably like there might be a kernel of truth in it, but it's just like, but even then it's 2021. Why are we hiring Daryl Sutter? Like, like why? I mean, I think it's because there's the familiarity with that franchise and because he's one of those guys that for whatever reason, if you're committed to the group and the core of players you have, he's the type of coach you could bring in that could actually change something. Now, again, a better answer to that, and I agree with it, would be, okay, well, so another option to that would be a new age thinker, somebody young and fresh, that if they get buy-in, would Or even rev- if you're doing change. that, hire Bruce Boudreau. But, I know there's a quarantine issue, but really? Um, I, I better than Bruce Boudreau? He's not. I don't think Bruce Boudreau is taking himself out of consideration for Seattle yet. No, 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 no. I mean, if I'm if I'm him, I would much rather so, be the coach of Seattle than the Flames. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that they could have. I think the the second thing I'm going to get to is, besides the familiar with the franchise, uh, he might be the only one, like that would take the job. It's it's man. Like, it, it, hey, and it's hey, not even hey, like hey, the Flames can you have to do the, us a favor. You know, no one. You know, we have to make a coaching change. We need someone to be competitive, but no one competitive wants to take this job because of COVID or blah blah blah. Will you help us out? Yeah, sure, I'll help you out if you guarantee my pay for three years. So even if I want to quit or whatever, I still get paid. Well, there's okay. also the idea that you can't even do the. Nice miss, Killian and Pape. I'm sorry for the Champions League interjections. It's just hilarious, some of the things I've seen. Uh, I'm saying the other part of it is apparently Brad Living, because they're a Canadian team, they can't make the big trade they want to make because of quarantines for COVID. And it's, it's just like Daryl Sutter, man. Daryl Sutter! Come on, man! It's frustrating. Just, it it just... is frustrating, but that is the Calgary Flames. I mean, they... Ah, yes. So when is Johnny Gaudreau going to play at home? With the Flyers, because that's inevitable, isn't it? Uh, I mean, I think the Flames have to burn out before they explode. Oh, they're about to. They're about to. We'll see. I mean, uh, I, I thought they were a playoff so, team this year, and uh, they, I, they are not. Ottawa has done enough in less than half a season to prove to me that anybody in that conference is still in it. Still in <laughs> the it. The Ottawa Senators. The Eric Branson, Josh Brown loving Ottawa Senators. I mean, that's, you gotta, it's true. I mean, at least they, they can do it, anybody left. can do it. At least they have Stutes left. I mean, because Montreal, yeah, with Dominique Ducharme. We don't even have the situation with, with the, like, the Canadians who force on themselves that their coach must speak French. You know, like, you can pick anybody you want. You could have hired Claude Julien, and you didn't do that. Sometimes, sometimes this this sport amazes me. Uh, is there anything else you want to bring up? No. Anything else you have on your mind? I think we covered everything. Yeah, I mean, what's what's there more to say? It's been a decently fun year, and as you've noted, week. there's a bunch of other shit going on. So there I'll is, just but... I'll just take I'll just take the pretty good year. And fun stuff. Oh, I'll take the uh, I'll take the I don't want to uh, you know yell at the Florida Panthers ownership because again you, and I, I do want to say there was a great piece in the Athletic that Ian Mendez wrote about Anthony Duclair and how he feels at home in Florida and just 
some of the things about the ownership kind of surprised me, but the, the things you hear about Bill Zito when you, when you read him, he was talking about Brett Peterson, he was talking about uh, Anthony Duclair, you get the sense that this is just a really, really good dude who knows how to deal with people and knows how to put everybody in positions to succeed. And like we, for years, he was rumored as a really good candidate to be a general manager. And the Panthers happened to be in the right place in the right time. And it really does. I mean, there's still it's early, but it just seems like everything you read about the way the team is going right now, you get the sense that a lot of that is down to the fact that they actually have a really good GM now. You know, a GM that that understands I have a plan, I have a process, I have an ability to build an organization with people who want to be here and and is running a tight ship. I, I think that a lot of this comes down to, I mean, it's not just because we advocated for Zito, but it's like it, it, you look at it and you go, okay, he's everything I thought he'd be and then some at this, at this start. And I think a lot of that has to again do with him. Let's hope. I hope Let so. Let us hope. I hope so. It, it's, it's going well now. And uh, the next time you hear a Y Hockey show, it will be a guest show. We've got a lot to get to in those shows in the future. And uh, again, it's not, Panthers, it's not going badly. I, I think sometimes you have to sit down and actually say their record out loud just to get an idea of just like how good it's going. Because I don't think we should take it for granted as much as it kind of feels like we are. You know, th- this has been such a team that it's unlike any season that I followed since I really started following the Florida Panthers. Hey. Oh, Portugino Hudson, Messi making it bad. Anyway, good night and good hockey.